man, how are we gonna beat the episode from last week? I mean, come on, it, it's the Mother Earth story. That's one of our greatest successes. There's not much we can do better than that. But we are not even halfway through the series yet. So there'll be some point where we have to do better. Well, let's go back to what worked and see what we can do for this week. All right, are everyone ready? Cool. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Foundation. It's time for your next lesson. Last week, you heard a unique file of ours about Mother Earth. Unlike your intro lessons, this one was special for both myself and your education. It needed no intro from me and explained itself quite well once it got going. It also presented to you one of our greatest successes here at the Foundation, something many of the researchers that you may meet during your time here are quite proud of. Well, that's done, though. You still have more lessons to get through. Keep in mind, you've handled creepy staircases, aggressive flesh, plague doctors, and massive otherworldly Ikeas. Today, I want to tell you the story of Tommy, otherwise known as... SCP-507. He's an interesting case, as you'll soon learn, and will serve to teach you all about what happens when anomalies begin to affect an average person. Let's begin. Item number. SCP-507 Object Class Safe Special Containment Procedures SCP-507 is allowed free roam of the facility, obviously barring anything that would breach security or safety protocols. Anytime SCP-507 leaves its private quarters, it must be accompanied by an agent mostly at this point to make sure that it does not shift without the facility's knowledge. SCP-507 should not be physically touched if there have been more than two weeks since its last shift. The risks inherent in disobeying this protocol make the action its own punishment, should the issue of disciplinary measures ever come up. When SCP-507 undergoes a shift, faculty will be informed to keep an eye out for its eventual reappearance. It also has a tracking device implemented into it, and a daily signal check should verify whether or not SCP-507 has returned from its trip. If it reappears in or nearby the facility, SCP-507 will return to its quarters on its own. Otherwise, a retrieval team of three plainclothes agents may be sent to provide transportation back. Upon successful return, SCP-507 can be the subject of various physical tests up until two weeks after each shift. It is worth noting that SCP-507 is allowed a computer with an internet connection via a proxy which strictly limits what information can be uploaded and to where, and it may petition to use or meet with or act as a test subject for safe or Euclid SCPs that do not affect mental functions negatively or carry an infectious trait. 
This is a result of SCP-507's presently clean record and the implication that if SCP-507 was ever going to be a security leak, it would have used its faux teleportation powers to do so already. It is also worth considering that SCP-507 is actually below average in most physical traits, and that even in the worst case scenarios, any SCP agent should be more than capable of carrying out a termination order. Description SCP-507 is a Caucasian male with blonde hair and green eyes, sporting no other outstanding characteristics besides being somewhat overweight and speaking with a vague accent of disputable origin. Although SCP-507 has an already established name due to its unremarkable upbringing, it seems to find entertainment in forcing those it meets to give it a nickname in lieu of divulging this information. Thus, SCP-507 will now respond to the names Tommy, which is the one you heard earlier, Steve, Bruto, Guy, Houdini, and Grabnock the Destroyer. Who authorized the final one, I am unsure of. SCP-507 was originally recovered from the Asylum, when standard surveillance following repeated successful escape attempts brought its abilities to light. All records of this incident were confiscated, and SCP-507 was taken into custody under the pretense of moving it to a more secure facility. The original theory was that SCP-507 possessed some form of teleportation ability, as it would suddenly disappear and eventually reappear in a different location. Subsequent interviews with the subject did verify that its ability could be used in such a manner, but that was merely a side effect for its main affliction. SCP-507 holds that during its periods of disappearance, it is actually displaced into a random alternate reef. The landscape generally stays the same, but the inhabitants and climate of the parallel world often do not. SCP-507 also insists that it has no control over the time and duration of these shifts. This has more or less been confirmed by the subject being known to displace at inconvenient times, such as mid-sentence, while sleeping, or even when using on-site public facilities. If SCP-507 moves about in the alternate world, the eventual shift back will then place it at the corresponding area in our reality. A simple list of SCP-507's descriptions of alternate realities can be found in document 507-00. Mentally, SCP-507 shows no large deviations from the psychological profile for a normal person. It has confessed to always have had a great interest in the paranormal and mythological, which has directly led to its eventual permission to interact with relatively harmless SCPs. SCP-507 especially enjoys meeting with other sentient SCPs, once going so far as to request a small vacation to visit SCP-082. The request was eventually granted after persistent pleading from SCP-507, and the meeting was thankfully uneventful. Document number 507-00. A sample list of SCP-507's supposed extra-dimensional travels, 
along with any demands made by it after returning. The first, subject appeared in complete darkness, leading to it to assume that the current location was indoors or subterranean. After fumbling about for a possible way out, subject heard a sound akin to muted breathing nearby. Subject then decided to curl up in the nearest corner and, quote, wait it out, instead of risking a blind confrontation with an unknown creature. Request, a standard flashlight, which it now always carries on its person. Number two, subject appeared in a replica of the facility, although apparently fallen into disuse. Further exploration led to the discovery of various corpses strewn about the area, all heavily decayed and covered in an odd type of mold. Upon noting that the corpses seemed to rhythmically expand and contract as if still breathing, subject attempted to leave the facility. This idea was quickly discarded when it opened an exit and found that the outside world was apparently covered with the same odd growth. Request. Heavy doses of voriconazole and a fungal expert to help ascertain the nature of the mold. No exact match of the described mold was found, but it was noted to share many attributes with certain types of cordyceps fungi. See addendum 507-02 where we'll talk about this more. Next, upon reappearing, subject was reported to mutter, quote, so many spiders. The subject refused to elaborate, and we have no more data there. Request, a handheld firearm of any type. The request was granted under the stipulation that said firearm is specifically built to only use rubber bullets. Next, subject once again appeared in a pitch black location with breathing nearby, much like one of our first incidents. Upon turning on its flashlight, subject was surprised by a man wearing a black business suit and sunglasses with an impossibly wide smile. Said smiling man was apparently leaning in towards SCP-507 when it turned on the The end result being that their faces were almost touching. Smiling man then remarked, quote, back so soon, before subject switched the light off again, discharged all rounds of its firearm at the general vicinity of the man, and once more curled up into the nearest corner until shifted back into our reality. Request, none. Those with level 2 security clearance may read a full list by accessing document number 507-3B. And not to provide a spoiler for our education file, but we will be doing that once we finish the main file. Those with level 2 slash 507 security clearance, or level 2 security clearance for this specific SCP, should also see interview 507-G for evidence of a particularly noteworthy shift. Interviewed SCP-507 and SCP-507. Interviewer, Dr. Forward. During a daily signal check for SCP-507, two independent verifications were returned. The following investigation led to the discovery of identical SCP-507 duplicates in its assigned quarters. Both apparently made their way to the room by themselves, and had spent at least a half an hour conversing with each other upon meeting. 
The following interview took place between them and the first informed employee to reach their location. The duplicates have each been given alphabetical notation for the purpose of readability. Begin log. Log. Closing statement. Subsequent testing revealed that SCP-507's abilities have no biological basis, and that severed pieces will still shift along with the main body. The SCP-507 of this reality reappeared three days later, and has not been informed of this incident. Addendum 507-00. Agent went missing on at the same time as SCP-507. A full-scale search was launched to find either of them, only for SCP-507 to appear a week later. When questioned, it said that was holding onto its shoulder when it shifted, leading to both of them to appear in an alternate dimension where during the ensuing chaos, SCP-507 lost contact with the agent and could not relocate him before it shifted back into the standard reality. A new protocol has been placed in light of this. No one is to come into physical contact with SCP-507 after two weeks following a displacement event. Re-evaluation of previous incidents has shown that there have always been at least two weeks between each, so this time frame will be the only safe 
time to touch SCP-507 until further notice. Addendum 507-01 I don't care how much he grumbles about it. SCP-507 is not to be cleared for challenging SCP-076-2 to 50 rounds of tic-tac-toe. Just... no. This note comes from Dr. Addendum 507-02 If you recall the fungus mentioned earlier, the fungus that was encountered by SCP-507 seems similar to that resulting from experimentation with SCP-407. For those who may be unfamiliar with SCP-407, it's a... how do I word this? A song in an unidentified language, seemingly sung a cappella. The voices are roughly human, and the song lasts about 30 minutes. While it's played, rapid cell generation seems to occur within its audible radius. And this effect seems to occur at the cellular level, and does not require the subject to be able to hear the music. It only affects multicellular organisms at first, but will eventually affect the mitosis and single-cell organisms. So, yeah. And now, we have finished the main body of the SCP-507 file. But, if you check the time, there's still 30 to 35 minutes left for your lesson. So, instead of moving on to other files and inundating you with a long list of SCPs to memorize today, I thought we would do something a little special, and totally not related to the fact that our previous episode was one of the best we've ever done so far. Definitely not trying to see if we can do better than that. So, I thought we would cover document 507-3B. This is an archive of all of the documented shifts undergone by SCP-507 while under the purview of the Foundation. It should be noted that because of these limitations, the shifts that would have happened while SCP-507 was in the psychological facility prior to the Foundation discovering it, or any shifts even prior to that date, are unlikely to be presented here, as there's no reasonable way to confirm them or know if SCP-507 is even telling the truth. So, let us begin. To start this file, I should give a list of equipment that has been granted to SCP-507 thus far. Each of these files are listed in order of the retrieval, which was how we recovered SCP-507 after the shift, the description of the shift, and any requests made. Oftentimes, those requests include equipment to make further shifts more safe for SCP-507. So, the equipment that has been granted thus far includes the aforementioned handgun loaded with rubber bullets. This is only with one magazine, which is carried in the gun. A knife with both a sheath and a belt to hold it. A tank of air. The aforementioned high-intensity flashlight. It should be noted that before, the intensity was much lower, so you'll figure out why. One week 
of vegetation ration packs, a waterproof set of binoculars, the aforementioned tracking device, which is shown here to be a collar, a camera, and a keychain-sized Rubik's Cube. We will get to all of them in time. And now, let us work through the events. Shift 1B7-55E-728. Retrieval, uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a desert environment and wandered around for roughly an hour before encountering another human. Said human was wearing a tanned leather overcoat and was described as completely unshaven. Man was extremely surprised to find the subject and demanded that the subject follow him in order to lead it back to food and shelter. Subject originally began to follow the man, but intentionally lost contact with him upon noting that his leather coat contained no seams or stitching. Requests? None. Shift 9E2-66V-7HG. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a forest habitat with no signs of previous or current industrialization. No further anomalies were perceptible until the subject grew hungry, at which point it discovered that harvesting or eating the plant life would cause them to emit telepathic screams, or so 507 tells us. Subject abstained from eating for the first day as a result, but became hungry enough on the second day onward to consume the flora in spite of the screams. Testing has shown no biological changes in the subject from this, but subject repeatedly affirms that it felt horrible doing so. Requests? None specifically, but subject adopted a gelatin and pudding-based diet for two and a half weeks after returning from this shift. Shift J75-R63-3TF. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a dimension with flipped genders. No noticeable differences beyond this were discovered, although subject found issue with the fact that its female counterpart, quote, looks pretty much the same as the standard version. Requests? None. Shift 000-000-000 invalid. Retrieval via tracking device. Plainclothes agents found subject sitting in an alleyway at... Description. Subject was largely unresponsive upon retrieval, and remained so until the standard questioning phase. When asked where it went this shift, subject answered, Nowhere. I think I missed it this time. Subject experienced minor motor skill impairment and decreased activity levels for roughly a month after the shift. Requests. A wristwatch, which makes an audible tick as the second hand moves. Approved. Shift J7Q-53Y-8ST. Retrieval. Subject was found in its quarters, sprawled on the floor, attempting to chew through the sleeves of a straight jacket it was wearing. The jacket, leg restraints, and the loss of motor skills still present from the last shift led to the subject being unable to stand up or open the door to find assistance. Description. Subject shifted while sleeping, and awoke restrained and lying in a hospital-grade bed. A nurse informed the subject that he was still a patient at the <laughs> asylum and was currently suffering from advanced stages of dementia. 
Subject was then sedated and spent the rest of the shift alternating between semi-consciousness and total unconsciousness. Requests? None. Shift 9E2-66V-7HG-2. You might recall this to be the previous forest shift. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject once again arrived in the forest habitat from the previous shift. The flora seemed to have remembered the subject's last visit, though, and they reacted by screaming for its entire four-day shift. Requests? A hug. Approved. That might be the most wholesome thing in the file yet. Shift 6KE-21B-I0S. The data for this one was expunged under direct order of the O5 Council. Level 5 clearance is required. Shift BN2-AL6-CTE. Retrieval uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a derelict metropolitan area. Subject was unable to locate any other humans, but noticed an overabundance of cats in every area it visited. Said feline seemed no different from normal house cats, though, and subject spent most of its shift petting any who came near. During the standard examination procedures after retrieval, trace amounts of Toxoplasma gondi variant were discovered on the subject's clothing, as well as larger amounts on its shoes. Further testing showed the subject had not yet been infected with the Toxoplasmosis variant, most likely attributed to the short time frame of the shift not allowing the subject to grow hungry and seek out food. All clothing and belongings that were on the subject's person during the shift were incinerated, and the subject was forced to undergo special decontamination procedures in order to prevent any possibility of contagion. Request: A pair of rubber gloves. This was denied on the basis that hand protection would not have protected the subject from infection in any way. Shift 125-28P-OS4-3. Retrieval via tracking device. Subject was attempting to return on its own, but was making less progress than usual due to the discomfort of doing so. Description. Subject once again arrived in a pitch black area with muted breathing nearby. For our listeners right now, we're back. Subject decided to seek an exit this time via blind wandering. Subject eventually found itself at the mouth of a corridor with what appeared to be a light source at the end. Subject began to run towards the light source upon noticing this. As it grew closer, the light suddenly grew in intensity and the subject was exposed to searing pain. Subject passed out at this point and only awoke after it had shifted back. Examination upon retrieval revealed that the subject's epidermis had been cleanly stripped down to the stratum granulosum in all areas open to sunlight, and down to the stratum lucidium in all areas covered by clothing. Request? None. But subject reappeared wearing a large, heavily tinted pair of sunglasses. Subject did not notice it was wearing these until they were pointed out, and supposed that they were probably why its eyes did not undergo the same process as its skin. Shift 7F2-WA3-193. Retrieval, uneventful. Description, subject arrived in an urban area with no major changes as far as it could tell. Subject used public computers at a library to search for differences between this dimension and ours, eventually finding that Abraham Lincoln 
was assassinated by his vice president in order to claim his position. This ultimately led to the presidency becoming a, quote, tribe leader-like position, where the current holder is legally allowed to be challenged and overthrown by other suitable candidates. Subject noted, with great surprise, that this change did not do much to alter most major presidents taking office. Many minor or and or detrimental presidencies tended to end via bullet wounds, often in unlikely locales or from improbable angles, which deterred most from attempting coups at all. Requests? None. Shift WS6-ECU-83D. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived at the mouth of a cave with intense heat. Subject walked outside of the cave for further investigation to find the area around it was a wasteland. Most of the heat appeared to emanate from two suns in the sky, and the subject could not discern whether they were extremely large or extremely close to the planet. Upon further examination, the suns blinked and turned away, and the heat subsided. Subject spent the rest of the shift within the cave. Requests? None. Shift Q56-DRU-865 Retrieval Subject found in the cafeteria, masticating on what appeared to be Description Upon containment of Subject uttered the words more, more, more before losing consciousness. Subject regained consciousness two hours later, expressing a strong desire for pudding. When questioned, subject claimed to see, quote, the biggest mound of pudding ever. When questioned as to why it was masticating on, upon arrival, subject claimed to be eating a, quote, glob of pudding at the time. Subject reported seeing, rolling around the hallways. Hallucinations passed within 24 hours. Requests? Pudding. Request granted. Shift F24-9S6-33C. Retrieval. Subject found in service tunnel 6R3BK without original equipment. Subject was wearing a simple uniform with similar design to the current Foundation D-Class uniform. Description. Subject shifted while dining in the cafeteria. Destination Dimension had an analog to the Foundation with a facility in the same location, although the internal layout had significant differences. Security responded to subject as an intruder and detained it immediately. During this process, the subject was imprisoned and stripped of all equipment, including the tracking device. For the remainder of the shift, subject underwent repeated questioning. The Foundation analog refused to accept subject's explanation of dimension hopping. Information gleamed from post-shift debriefing indicates that F24-9S6-33C has a Foundation analog in the Society for Containment of the Paranormal, or SCP. This analog has a strong British influence and is opposed by the Covert Occult Group, or COG, and Church of the Mending God, or CMG. Further details remain unclear as the society refused to answer the subject's questions and only slipped details by assuming it knew them already. Requests? Replacement equipment. Request granted. Shift 4GT. Dash F1Q dash H17. Retrieval. Subject was found by the cafeteria kitchen staff of site, drenched, covered in mud, and suffering from severe hypothermia. Description. Subject arrived in a large field during a rainstorm. 
Subject attempted to find shelter from the rain, but found none, remaining in the rain for the entire shift. After an unknown length of time, the subject reported seeing entities in the distance, although the heavy rain obscured the subject from obtaining a detailed report of their appearances. The subject described them as being vaguely humanoid in shape. The entities began to slowly move towards the subject from all directions. Near the end of the shift, the subject reported hearing labored breathing from the nearest entities. Requests? A set of warm clothing. Approved. Shift 2AW-9U2-E5T. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in mid-air, falling from an outdoor environment into a subterranean body of water at the bottom of a large cavern. Though admittedly experiencing a strong surge of adrenaline from the event, subject reported swimming, quote, a long way before reaching land. Subsequent observation revealed a giant hole in the ceiling of the cavern, through which the subject had apparently fallen. Also reported were archways to other large caverns, most with shafts of sunlight visible indicating other surface collapses. Regular vertical grooves in the walls indicate possible excavation despite the cavern's immense size. No other sign of life was observed. Before returning, Subject realized that the possibility of shifting back to a reality so far underground might cause it to be displaced in solid rock, and spent its remaining time frantically searching for a way back to the surface. When Subject succeeded, it discovered that the sinkholes were much more widespread than would have been visible from below ground. Requests? Diving lessons. Denied. Shift 2UU-5I9-Q3D. Retrieval? via tracking device. Description. The length of time the subject was absent from our reality was notable, being roughly three months in length. However, during this time, it made several notable discoveries, including several SCPs uncontained by our reality's SCP Foundation, but contained by Universe 2UU-5I9-Q3D's equivalent. These SCPs have now been contained. Through this three-month time frame, the subject managed to become a member of 2UU-5I9-Q3D's SCP Foundation equivalent, working its way up the ranks far faster than would have been anticipated, assuming it had been made a member of Foundation personnel on the same day. At the time of its return, he was apparently in a field, working to contain 2UU-5I9-Q3D's equivalent of SCP- Curiously, our Foundation had sent out a task force for precisely the same reason on the same day. Further links between Universe 2UU-5I9-Q3D and our reality are being investigated. Requests to be made a member of Site Personnel. Denied. Shift 9J3-Y6X-GTY. Retrieval. Subject was found hanging from its ankles in a tree on site. Subject was partially encased in insulated, reflective titanium armor upon retrieval. Description: The subject described the world it had arrived in as extra shiny, and stated that it was apprehended by law enforcement officers upon arrival. After being apprehended, the subject was transported to a nearby manufacturing facility and placed upside down on an assembly line, where a series of metal sheets were shaped and cut to fit its body. It briefly had time to ask for clarification, and was informed that the radiation from the sun was extremely dangerous, 
and titanium reflective suits were required by law to prevent thermal radiation damage to any person or structure. Requests. Sunscreen and an eye exam. Granted. Shift 52J-079-3GH. Retrieval via tracking device. Subject was found inside a padlocked metal shed behind an abandoned house on the outskirts of... Description. Subject arrived in a small room housing several dried corpses. Besides said corpses, the room was mostly bare. The only things that the subject noted were a single paneless window and a light fixture on the ceiling, which occasionally flickered. Subject attempted to raise his feet, but had difficulty doing so due to repeated and unpredictable surges of motion. Subject eventually made its way to the window, at which point it discovered that its, quote, room was actually a container suspended in mid-air by a large chain. Subject watched similar containers pass by him, and it passed by others via a complex web of rails above it, which the chains were attached to. Subject could see nothing besides this, but darkness in all directions. Subject then tried to wait out its time in this dimension by falling asleep, but found it difficult due to a newly discovered quality of the corpses. During moments of darkness caused by flickering, the corpses rearranged themselves in a poses which would be logical for living people during that particular moment. If the subject was looking at the window, the corpses would be crowded around him in an attempt to get a better view. If the subject was sitting, they would also be seated in a pattern to form a full circle. If the subject attempted to reach a light fixture, they would act as a support slash seem to be in the process of pushing him upwards, and so on. Requests? None. Shift YTF-5N2-Q00. Retrieval? Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a crowded casino-like area. Subject noted that the only type of machine available was something similar to slots, but they apparently required no money to play and gave out nothing upon a win. Upon actually sitting down in front of one and trying it, the subject discovered that the machine dispensed a small slip of paper with writing on it upon every pull of the lever and spin of the symbols it displayed. Subject could discern no real pattern as to what the symbol would produce what type of note but wrote down a list of its attempts and what it received from each just in case. The following is a list of the various combinations. Jewel Crescent Claw. If given a slice of death, could you tell how large it was? Hammer Crescent Crescent. A poor base leads to rush patch jobs. Crescent Hammer Jewel. Deja Who? Claw Circle Hammer. There are things worse than death, for one, not dying. Crescent Hammer Crescent. There will always be someone to look after you. Crescent Jewel Crescent. They're not that jolly, it's just stuck that way. Hammer Crescent Hammer. There will always be something to look after. Claw Claw Claw. The future's looking bright. Crescent Claw Crescent. Time to wake up. Crescent, Crescent, Crescent. We're not so different, you and I. Circle, Crescent, Circle. When all else fails, try something new. Crescent, Jewel, Circle. When death comes knocking, don't answer the door. Crescent, Circle, Circle. You can't keep a good death down. And Crescent, Circle, Jewel. You can't take it with you when you go. Requests? None. 
shift FN3-05P-KHC. Retrieval uneventful. Description. Subject appeared in a white corridor with steel doors lining both walls. Each door had a keypad, a small speaker system, and a clipboard containing forms written in undecipherable characters. As the subject approached one door to examine said clipboard, the door's speaker turned on and began to address it. Subject was informed that the voice belonged to the person locked behind that specific door, and that he was wrongfully imprisoned and left to die. The prisoner then pleaded with the subject to release him from his cell. Subject jokingly replied that he would free the prisoner if he promised not to stab the subject upon release. There was roughly a seven second pause before the prisoner asked what a quote, stabbing was. After a moment of deliberation, the subject defined stabbing as putting a hole in someone using a small object. Another pause followed. The prisoner eventually affirmed that he could not stab the subject because all of his objects were quote, very blunt. Subject did not open that door or any of the others. Requests none. Shift I-52-37G-Z8M. Retrieval via tracking device. Subject was in a holding cell of the police station under charges of public indecency. Extraction was successfully made with no complications. Description. Subject arrived in an area apparently undergoing a large snowstorm. Subject attempted to find shelter, but could not find its way in the storm, and had almost succumbed to exposure by the time it was located and pulled into a cave by a man covered in protective furs. The man helped the subject out of its wet clothing, although he did not have an extra set of garments. He led the subject to an underground hot spring his cave was connected to. When the man was sure that the subject was regaining its strength, he removed his furs and entered the spring as well. Subject was extremely surprised to discover that the man was a second SCP-507. Subject noticed no obvious physical differences between itself and the double, although the alternate 507 had a pattern of quote, tribal scarring across his torso, as well as at the basis of some of his limbs. Subject and the double remained in the cave and conversed with each other until the subject shift ended. Request. Subject drew a replica of the alternate 507 scars in memory and asked for any information on possible cultural or symbolic meaning behind the patterns, but none has been found so far. Shift S43-51U-P09. Retrieval via tracking device. Subject recovered in a cornfield in with unidentified brown liquid splattered on its cheek. A human heart with the words, I need you, written in the same liquid was discovered in the subject's hand. Subject claimed that said object was not in its possession during the shift and does not know how it came into its possession. Researchers are attempting to identify the liquid. Description: Subject arrived in pitch black darkness with the sound of crying nearby. Upon activating its flashlight, subject discovered the smiling man from previous shifts leaning towards him. Brown liquid leaked from around its sunglasses. Smiling man pushed its face closer to the subjects and uttered the phrase, quote, why did you do this? Smiling man then wiped off a portion of the brown liquid from its eyes with its hand and began caressing the subject's cheek. Subject forcefully pushed smiling man away. Subject observed that the smiling man's business suit contained several holes with brown liquid trailing down from them. Subject drew its firearm and pulled the trigger. However, for unknown reasons, the pistol did not fire. Smiling man began slowly walking towards the subject. 
Subject ran for approximately 10 minutes and spent the rest of the shift huddled in a corner. Request. A more reliable pistol. Denied, as the cause of the error is unknown. Shift 9E2-66V-7HG5-3. Retrieval. Via tracking device, subject was discovered 7 kilometers northeast of the facility. Description. Subject shifted while reading in its quarters. Subject found itself returned to the forest habitat containing telepathic trees. The trees remained silent upon entry to its environment. The subject admitted that despite its previous experiences in the environment, it was curious about the absence of any human habitation. The subject propelled itself to the highest ground it could find in order to see over the tree canopy. The subject found a clearing on top of a hill and reported seeing a huge semi-translucent blue dome covering the entire forest. The tree canopy extended out to the edge of the dome with foliage so thick that looking up and through it was unfeasible. Subject reported itself to see the dome slightly off center, suggesting it was not underneath the direct middle. Requests? None. Shift 574-75T-7YB Retrieval Subject was found prone and unresponsive in its quarters. Subject was bleeding significantly. Several deep gashes were discovered in the left side of the subject, just under the armpit. The claw marks extended to the bottom of the ribcage. Subject received traditional first aid and was committed to the on-site infirmary. Description. The subject woke up on a snow-covered plain. Subject did not have its backpack on hand at the time of the shift, having been asleep. All that went with it was its bed sheets and pajamas. Subject reports having seen a TV show on how to survive in a cold environment before the shift. It attempted to build a crude snow cave using its hands when it was interrupted by a large white bear. This is the extent of its recollection. Requests. A proper weapon. Granted. Losing subject to a non-anomalous polar bear would be a waste of Foundation resources and an embarrassment. Subject shall receive a knife, sheath, and a belt and is required to keep these on its person at all times. Shift 3G8-14H-9UX. Retrieval. Recontained in the kitchen, missing left hand and using expletives in an uncontrolled fashion. Subject was returned to the infirmary. Description. The subject transitioned into a dimension very similar to our own at first glance. The subject was apprehended by Foundation personnel in the infirmary and questioned about his small, quote, canines. The subject admitted to not knowing what that meant, but quickly worked it out after his interviewer opened its mouth and pointed to a large set of fangs located on either side of its incisors. The interviewer also commented on the subject's roundish body shape, which was considered unusual and fascinating in this dimension. Despite these differences, the subject described the creatures who interviewed it as kind. They proceeded to bring the subject a large amount of food. The subject noted a distinct lack of anything green in the meal offered to him. When later told to elaborate by Foundation personnel, he stated, It was all meat! After eating the meal, two of the creatures containing the subject and their equivalent of the infirmary escorted him into a small room nearby, containing a locket hanging on the opposite wall. They told the subject to remove its clothes and stand in front of the locket. After the subject had done as they ordered, they opened the locket and exposed it to a green orb for approximately eight minutes. The subject noted the lack of any scar tissue on its left side and a strong feeling of general well-being. The next day, a creature came to him and asked for a small portion of his skin and musculature in order to quote, study genetic differences. To this, 
The subject replied with, only if you provide me with another delicious meal. The creature was visibly excited by this outcome. A small biopsy was conducted on the subject's upper right thigh. The subject described this experience as painful but totally worth it. A huge amount of unspecified meat was delivered to the subject upon completion of the biopsy. The subject was then released to explore the facility. For the next month and a half, the creatures continued to supply the subject with mounds of meat and engage in amiable conversation. The subject acquired 14 kilograms of fat during this time. On 16-4-2015, the subject was exported to the kitchen equivalent. It was then put on a chopping block and its left hand was removed. Requests. A replacement hand. Granted. Shift 8A8-91T-710. Retrieval. Uneventful. Description. Subject arrived in a large opaque dome filled with plants without any sign of human habitation. Subject stated that walking was difficult and uncomfortable. Upon further investigation, the subject found a window displaying what was described as pitch black with earth on the horizon. Several minutes later, a tall humanoid encountered the subject, inquiring about his comparative short stature. Subject replied, asking where he was. The humanoid stated they were in, quote, base 12, oxygen and vegetable wing. Subject asked what Earth was doing in the sky, and the humanoid appeared puzzled and responded, that's the moon, gesturing to Earth. A short argument ensued, and the humanoid departed. Subject noted that after the Earth had set, a rocky gray landscape became visible, becoming identifiable as a lunar surface after about an hour or so, according to the subject. Subject attempted to explore more of his surroundings, but shifted back to our reality shortly after setting out. Requests. One camera. Denied. Shift 7J0-175-35X. Retrieval. Uneventful. Description. Subject shifted while attempting to fall asleep. Subject arrived in a large body of water. Subject swam upwards an estimated 35 meters before reaching the surface of the water and beginning the tread. Subject noted several dark shapes moving in the water beneath it and bright lights in the distance, but did not attempt to approach either. Subject reportedly found breathing extremely difficult. Subsequent physical tests indicated that the subject had ingested substantial amounts of methane during the shift. Request. A tank of breathing gas as part of its equipment. Approved. Shift 99P-UT1-24J. Retrieval. Subject was found in the location in which it had left, curled up and crying violently. Subject screamed, why did I have to go, when an attempt was made to interact with it, and suffered from severe depression for several days thereafter. Agents described a, quote, beautiful smell coming from it. Description. Subject landed in a place that he could only describe as, quote, impossibly beautiful. Subject stated that it was, quote, like the best parts of every place all put together, and that the beauty was so overwhelming that the subject had no desire to move. When it began to become thirsty and hungry, plants apparently extended vines and shot a liquid into its mouth, which it described as, quote, the best anything I have ever drunk ever, sweet and rich and everything all at once. After roughly one day, subject, having never looked at his watch during this time, had no clear knowledge of the duration, a humanoid female close to subject's age unexpectedly encountered the subject as she walked over a hill. Subject claimed that they had a, quote, long conversation despite not speaking the same language, 
and was unable to explain how this was possible or the form their conversation had taken. Subject claimed that he understood her answers to his questions about her and their location, but was unable to articulate them. Subject described her with, I know I'm sounding repetitive here, but she was the most amazing person I'd ever met. With some reluctance, but Subject stated that they had been about to kiss when the shift ended. Subject then had to be prevented from committing, well, I shouldn't go too far in this description. Tests after successful psychiatric treatment indicated Subject was considerably more physically fit and had gained roughly 8 IQ points on average, despite having done no significant exercise during the shift. Requests. Various foods, beverages, and pictures of women widely regarded as very physically attractive. The subject considered all granted requests unsatisfactory, making statements such as, it's not the same, and no, 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 not like that. Subject then requested a way to stay in a universe permanently after having arrived there, and was reminded that no known method was known to do so. Shift 6A5-93W-132 Retrieval. Subject returned malnourished and suffering from the effects of an unknown toxic substance, from which it soon recovered. Later analysis showed the substance to be a venom containing a high level of silicon. A small silicon-based crystalline creature was hanging from the subject's finger when the subject returned. The specimen subsequently died of unknown causes, possibly starvation. Description. Subject shifted to a dimension which primarily contained crystals of varying sizes and hues. The sun was described by the subject as smaller and bluer than ours. The ground was covered in sand, also of various dull colors. The subject noted that many of the larger crystals were moving slowly and appeared to be alive. It also saw smaller creatures which scuttled around quite rapidly and seemed to also be composed of crystal. The subject spent some time searching for water, which it found. It noticed that there seemed to be considerably more of the smaller crystalline animals near the water. Shortly before the subject returned, it was attacked by one of the small creatures. The subject described both the larger and smaller creatures as both looking and behaving similar to crustaceans. Requests. Food and water that, quote, doesn't taste like sand. Granted. Now, I will say that we are not even halfway through the list of the various shifts from SCP-507, but even so, We've reached about the end of your lesson today. If you wish to read more, I will make the document 507-3b available to you. To access it, simply go to the SCP Wiki document 507-3b. And that brings us to the end of today's lesson. I hope you found the previous files to be informative and to properly, at least somewhat, prepare you for life at the Foundation. I will see you next week at 9 p.m. Atlantic on CHSR 97.9 FM in the Fredericton region, on www.chsrfm.ca online, or on your favorite podcast platform for your next lesson. And as we close, I would like to give a thanks to those in real life who contributed to the production of this episode. In particular, I would like to firstly thank Kevin McLeod, who produced the music that you can hear in the background of this episode. You can find the background tracks that I used and more at incomptech.com, all under the Creative Commons Attribution 4 license. Next, I would like to thank the previously mentioned SCP's authors, whose content was provided under the Creative Commons with Attribution 3 license on the SCP Wiki. 
And finally, I would like to thank the voice actor that you heard in today's episode, who played SCP-507-A and B, which was Noel Whitaker. <laughs>